This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Due to the graphic nature of some of the topics we will be touching on, listener discretion is advised. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are Eye for an Eye podcast, and we are back. Well, not exactly, but we're coming back. However, we wanted to drip on y'all with some little updates for several cases that we have already reviewed. Ladies, say what's up to the people real quick so they know we're still, still all here, still operating. Hi. It's Lisa. We're barely here. Yeah, we're just hanging on. Oh, uh, oh. That's it. There it is. Pearl Jam. I'm still alive is the next line. God, you guys kill me. Anyways, speaking of pop culture, which you guys don't know about, I guess, we talked about Josh Duggar in season two. Very intriguing case. Shout out to Kate. She was a great co-host on that. We talked a little bit about what we thought was a fair sentence for Josh Duggar. However, a sentence had not yet come down when we recorded that. I believe that was November of last year. He was convicted in December of 2021. He was sentenced in May of 2022. So let's talk a little bit about it. On May 25th, Josh Duggar was sentenced to 151 months in federal prison for his child pornography conviction in the Western District of Arkansas Federal Court. Does 151 months equate to something specific? Why would there, what's the one? What's the extra one for? I believe it's 12 years and seven months, if I'm not mistaken. That's really random amount of time. It is a random amount of time. We'll talk about that though, Lise. But based on Josh Duggar's a little bit of his fame and his background because of 19 Kids and Counting from TLC. Prosecutors had asked U.S. District Judge Timothy Brooks to give a maximum term of 20 years. They argued in pre-sentencing court filing that he had a deep-seated, pervasive, and violent sexual interest in children going back years. And we talked a little bit in the original case about how he even expressed that towards his own family, his sisters. So as we said, 20 years they asked for, he was sentenced to 12 years and seven months in prison. One day after he was denied a defense motion to overturn the guilty verdict on grounds of insufficient evidence or to order a new trial. So through those last minute pitch in motions after he's convicted and sentenced, but after a medium, the judge gets a chance to say, no, they're not going to overturn anything. They're not going to retry the case. And they sentence him. I thought this was an interesting quote here. Nam Ramani former federal prosecutor and president of the West Coast Trial Lawyers, said that Duggar doesn't really have a good defense, end quote, to file an appeal on the basis of wrongful conviction due to all the evidence that was presented against him at trial. Said, quote, I mean, these images were on his HP laptop computer. There's a digital paper trail that shows that he's on the internet downloading these images. Josh Duggar's guilt was not really the issue at hand here. It was more about how much to sentence him for and for what reason. Uh, and Nam Ramani also said, and I think this was interesting, 
said he was likely to struggle to appeal for a lesser sentence because being a TLC TV personality didn't really receive an unduly harsh punishment for his crimes. He said 12 years tends to be a normal sentence for someone who's convicted of possessing child pornography, adding that a child pornography conviction carries a minimum of five years and a maximum of 20 years. So honestly, if you consider that, he was sentenced kind of right in the middle of that. Minimum five, maximum 20. He was sentenced closer towards the maximum than the minimum. And Nam Romani said the government did ask for the max in this case, but 12 and a half years is consistent with how judges across the country are sentencing these cases. So that's interesting to me because it's maximum 20 years, minimum five years. They're meeting in the middle, basically. So we can talk about it when we talk about eye for an eye. But basically to say that like him being who he was did not end up weighing in on his sentencing is what I'm getting at. Some people would have argued that he might have gotten more leniency because of that. Some people might have argued that he gotten less, but it actually ended up not really impacting his sentencing. In the state of Arkansas, Duggar is legally required to serve 85% of his sentence before he can be considered for parole, which is about 10 and a half years. So that's about the minimum he's going to do. And in order to be closer to his family, at sentencing, Duggar's defense team requested facilities in Sagoville and Texarkana, which are two federal prisons in Texas, as possible locations that he could serve his sentence due to proximity to his family. But Judge Timothy Brooks said that he would recommend Sagoville due to their high-end treatment program for sex offenders, which I thought was interesting. I wondered if that might have been part of his celebrity weighing in there. Because he's getting psychological treatment throughout that entire time. High-end treatment program for sex offenders. And I think this is interesting. The Bureau of Prisons recognizes sex offenders as a vulnerable population within a prison setting. For the obvious reasons that we all hear about, you know, when those guys go to prison, they get treated poorly. Institutional assignment, unit management, psychology treatment programs, and re-entry planning all are used as tools to promote the well-being of sex offenders while incarcerated and help both the offenders and society in turn by reducing the likelihood of their reoffense after release. I think that's interesting, and I'm thinking if there are federal programs, that should be a nationwide program for anybody who has this potential. That's what I was just thinking. Why isn't this something that is available for anyone? Right. In every federal prison or every prison in general. And in every crime, and maybe not every, but if we're thinking about the fact that people may get out of jail one day and be active members of society again, we should be utilizing their time in prison to make them able to do that. I completely agree. I don't understand why we don't have something where, I mean, there's not enough treatment centers as it is. Why couldn't they make prisons more like treatment centers in return for that? Well, I guess that goes to the conversation if jail for people should be rehab or if it should be punishment. And it's hard, obviously, with child porn problems because obviously it's sick in many ways. But it really does go to, like, should these people be punished or should these people be rehabilitated? And because the sentence for those type of crimes is pretty low when you think about it in comparison to murder charges where you're there for life 
maybe there should be a focus on rehabilitation for people who are not serving life sentences. Because clearly he's a serial offender. He preyed upon his sisters, probably people in his community. He's looked at these images online and it's been going on for years and years. They said this started when he was in his teens. He was trying to fondle his sisters. So now that I think about it, that should be the standard of care. If the person does not have a life sentence and they have the possibility of getting out of jail, we should be working to rehabilitate. Whether or not we believe they should be let out is different than the fact that they will be. So why not put the focus on trying to get ahead of the issue so it doesn't happen again? That's what I was thinking. If there is even a chance you're getting out. I mean, this is very different, but on one of the Real Housewives, the woman and her husband went to jail because they did a bunch of fraud stuff. And I, I think her sentence was a month. And she came back and was a very different person. I feel like even for something that doesn't have such huge ramifications, you're a different person and we should be preparing for that. Couldn't agree more. Even if, for example, someone's wrongly accused. I feel like no matter what the case is, people have the intention. If they're sentenced to life without parole, obviously, but if there's any chance of someone getting out, they should be open and have the possibility of going to treatment, rehabilitation, re-entering society, education programs. I mean, the problem is we can't even keep people who are not in prison in decent conditions, unfortunately. But let's ask the inevitable question. Eye for an eye. Remind me what his sentence was in years. 12 years, seven months. Okay. And the max was 20 and the lowest was five? Correct. And you said he's going to a place that specifically has a program to help rehabilitate sex offenders? Or, I don't know if rehabilitate is the right word, but they work with sex offenders specifically, right? In this prison specifically, there is more resources for sex offenders to be rehabilitated. So the judge sentenced him to that specific location for that reason. Yes. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I mean, obviously these charges make me sick and it sounds like he has never been sufficiently helped. And like, I guess this starts a larger conversation on like, can you rehabilitate a sex offender? Is it psychological? Where does it stem from? How do you fix it? What I think that's pretty fair. And it's just for the child pornography charges, right? Yes. Okay. So I think that's a pretty decent sentence. It's on the heavier end, which I think probably has something to do with the fact that this is not the first event. He's a serial liar and he's a serial offender with this kind of thing. I think that that seems pretty fair given what we know about him and the people he's affected. I'm just hoping for his family's sake and for his, I guess, his own sake, but really for his family and his victim's sake, that this is an effective plan and that he doesn't get out and do this all over again. It's hard to say because he really did physically offend people, his sisters. He violated them. And who knows if there's other people who he violated within the church or something who didn't come forward. That's just complete speculation. But given that he had direct access to his sisters, probably had direct access to a lot of people in the community as well. Since he wasn't being sentenced for that, and this was purely just child pornography charges and that type of thing, and I'm guessing violating his parole as well, because wasn't he being watched heavily? Everything was monitored. 
from the first time this fucking happened. So I think that's a decently fair sentence, I'd say, especially when you consider that this isn't taking into consideration the physical offenses. Do we know if he has, well, I guess he may already be listed on the sex offender registry, but does this also say you have to be registered for the rest of your life? Yes, he is actually. He is registered for the rest of his life as a sex offender. And after his prison term, he also has 20 years of supervised release. That's one thing I did want to mention with several special conditions also imposed by the judge. So I think limiting his access to children, limiting his access to certain websites. I don't know the specifics, but limiting his access after his incarceration. That's important because I think that sways my feelings because I was going to say I feel like the time alone doesn't fit the crime for me. But I think he needs to wake up every morning and be like, I really fucked up and I have to deal with the consequences. So some of those longer term ramifications, you know, you're not just going to get out and live your life like an else. What do you think sentence wise it should have been? I think given the fact that this is not his first offense, there are probably offenses that he has committed that will never see the light of day. I think they should have done 20. But I also think I'm fine with 12 and seven months with those other long-term ramifications, I think is suitable. But if he gets out and fucks up, then we'll all be like, well, should have done more. I wonder if he gets out and fucks up since that's a violation of the 20-year probation rule that he'll be on. He'll be thrown right back and down. They'll lock him up and throw in the key. I certainly hope so. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think just the 12 and a half years is a little light. I would have probably given him closer to 20, if not 20. But I do like the fact that there are special sanctions imposed upon him. And I love the fact that he's going to be receiving counseling and treatment throughout his entire sentence. I think that's huge. I think he should continue to after as well. Um, And again, we don't like to stigmatize any group. I think this is probably the most easily stigmatized group is child sex offenders. Even in the prison population, in the general population, they are very demonized and strictly viewed in a lot of ways. That's looked at as being the worst thing. I think for some people, it is the worst thing. So I do believe that he probably was affected by his celebrity a little bit. I think that's part of his condition and part of his issue. But I don't think it affected his sense. From what I read, this is what the national average is, 5 to 20. They meet in the middle. So he probably got what would be considered a fair sentence by the statute, but I don't think it's fair. I think his celebrity should have been used as an example. More people know his name than any other sex offender currently being charged, I would say. This might be a deterrent. You never know. might prevent somebody from clicking on that link or following that urge. I don't know. That's just my thoughts on it. I do believe, though, that he was probably a little lightly sentenced, but I'm very glad with the fact that he's being treated while he's incarcerated. Did you say in these programs where they treat sex offenders, they kind of keep them out of general populations? I don't think keep them out is the right frame, but they keep them at least somewhat quarantined to the point where there's special measures in place. See, that's where I think we should be inched into in the general problem let them do some little 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 justice on him 
Yeah. I mean, and a lot of people would suggest that same thing. They said, I'm pretty sure that is what happens a lot of times. Oh, sure. I don't wish violence on anyone, but you know, sometimes I do, I guess. But you know, it's a pretty decent punishment. Get your ass kicked, handed to you in prison for being a piece of garbage. Yeah. I don't think anybody can deny what he did is terrible. That's the thing is anybody with a soul would look at this and be like, yeah, fuck this guy. You know, I mean, he did everything, including assaulting his own family. What the fuck, bro? I can't even fathom how his brain must function to think that that would have been an acceptable thing to do. But at the same time, I'm looking at it saying, hey, I hope this guy can be at least somewhat rehabilitated especially if there's a chance he'll be out walking around in 12 years. I'm hoping to still be walking around in 12 years. If he is, I'd like to know that he's been receiving treatment for this obvious issue. We talked to Lee about at least these urges, and I'll never forget how he framed this. These urges that people have, what we would all consider gross, strange, whatever, are literally incontrollable in some cases. They are as plain as a sex drive for anybody else, which is just strange for me. Which is wild. Yeah. It's wild. But to me, that that urge, that desire, whatever it is, it blows me away that that's not something that can be controlled and is just natural. What, again, leads into the bigger conversation of the real nitty-gritty of these child predators. Where does it come from? What is the driving force? Is it a deviant desire? Is it a need for control? Is it a complete sickness? Is it you're just an awful human being and disgusting and you really just enjoy little kids? Like, where does it come from? And I don't know if we'll ever get a satisfying answer to that. Because even if someone said to us today, like you said, Matt, that it really is as plain as our sex drive or whatever, that's obviously not a satisfying answer to people because it's a disgusting topic, right? It's not fathomable to be attracted to a five-year-old or a child in general, anyone under 18, really. So I think it's hard to wrap minds around the driving factor. And I think the driving factor is what needs to be considered for treatment options, right? Or for rehabilitation, if that's something that could actually work. Or are we wasting our fucking time? And should he be locked up for the rest of his life because he's just a waste? But I agree with you guys in that the 20-year stipulations for probation is good. But wasn't he on probation when this happened again? Weren't they like his computers or his wife had some spy software? Yeah. So clearly that's not stopping this guy. But I guess we'll find out in 12 plus years if he's got this under control or if they're going to have to throw him away for the rest of his life because he's just a waste. Hopefully by then we're all multimillionaires and this podcast has reached nirvana levels and people all over the world are listening. So yeah, we'll check back, y'all. Well, great update. It's, it's interesting to think about these type of cases and it's really hard, obviously, to talk about in debate because, of course, all of us in our brains would throw them away forever, forget about them. But I do think it's something to think about when a sentence is not a life sentence or 85 life sentences, when you know this person will very well be walking around. How do we handle that and what should that look like? Should it be more punishment or should it be more rehabilitation? So I'm curious to hear what our listeners think if they think, you know, again, when it's not a life sentence where, and even when it is, I'd be curious to hear people's opinions. Should prison function more as rehabilitation? Because everyone 
should have the opportunity to be redeemed. Or are there people that are just pure monstrous and there's no redeeming qualities and we should lock them up and throw away the key? Please check back with us, y'all. We'd love to know your feedback. And thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And that is how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us for this little update episode. Can't wait for you guys to join us on season three. We have a lot of amazing cases brewing. A bunch of cases that are going to be surprised. We have some popular ones. We have some ones that I don't think many have heard about, which I always makes this show super exciting and a lot of special guests on the radar. So hang out with us in the interim. Hang tight. We'll be back for season three and we can't wait to see you there. Appreciate y'all. Bye-bye.